And that was uh, Blinded by the Light, Manfred Mann's Earth Band coming at you. This is Dan Natterman. We are live from the table coming at you on Sirius XM 99 Raw Dog. And Raw Dog. Yes, indeed. And so on the Ridecast Podcast Network. I guess we're actually we're not on Raw Dog for this episode, uh, but I said it anyway. Hello, everybody. Uh, David off coming uh, is joining us, and Periel Ashenbrand as well, each from their own homes as per pandemic regulations. How are you? I suppose it's worth noting we're also not at the table in that case. That's maybe worth noting. Periel has a necklace that says Periel. Uh, she is not wearing her Periel earrings today, but lest anybody have trouble identifying her, she has a necklace that says Periel. She's like Laverne, the modern-day Laverne DeFazio. If you recall, Laverne from uh, uh, Laverne and Shirley always had a big L on her shirt. And Periel's never without a name, her name somewhere on her person. Hello, Periel. Dove has a glass. Dove, your glasses. You, your glasses are yeah. I have a uh, I have a reading glass. For this first time, for the first time in my life, I needed reading glasses. <clears throat> I've, I've I reached the age of forty six without needing them. And um, anyway, now I I don't know what it, you see. You see, I look like a uh, I don't know. I mean, I look like one of those people with busted glasses in prison. You know, that just can't get out into the world to source a new pair. I mean, it looks unreasonable. You know, the whole operation makes it's me feel sad. like, I tell you, nothing like is a lopsided human being. Nothing is sadder than watching Dove grow old. I was old to begin with. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. an old man uh, that complained yeah. and uh, kvetched and never got laid anyway. But Dove was a force yeah. of nature. <laughs> yeah. What? Um, how long have you two known each other? Since the 90s, since it was before 9-11, for sure. Because I remember on 9-11, Dove got a piece of dust in his eye. Yeah, it was personal. Trade Center, and he said, now it's personal. Now it's personal, baby. um, Yeah, no, it's been been a long time. So more than 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, you know, I mean, it's it's, just, it goes so fast. It's such a blur, you know, uh, that 20 years used to be significant to me. I used to think 20 years was a long time. Now to me, 20 years is, is not so much, you know, um, it just comes and goes. It's just, every time I like see a movie that came out 20 years ago, I mean, it seems like yesterday, you know, like, um, Boogie Nights was like 25 years ago. Yeah. Clueless 25 years ago. Was it an immediate, um, friendship or did one of you have to I think more or less or? more or less more or less it was at the yeah. new york comedy club and uh you know uh um, we're all I great still remember periel when um <laughs> well, i don't want to talk about uh dave yeah no 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 you're yeah, right. i don't want to insult anybody but uh, no no i know i was actually gonna i was thinking through whether or not i leave out the name would it still work but you're right yeah you're right um way to kill a story big, guys um, <laughs> Maybe we'll get to it next time. But we have plenty going on in the world of comedy this week. Yeah. Because once again, uh, one of our colleagues has been accused yeah. of uh, inappropriate behavior. Brian Callen, of course, I refer to. Yeah. He's been accused of. There's four accusations, three of which I don't think are really even worth mentioning. One is a right. one was a consensual affair that he had while married, accused of. Right. One was, he said to a woman, he kissed a woman against a wall in a dressing room. Um, and right. the third one was, uh, he offered a woman money uh, in exchange for stage time. And, and, sorry. He offered a woman money in exchange for, and stage time in exchange for oral sex. These were the accusations that were made. Right. None of which I think are criminal, even if not anything to brag about or not anything you know, uh, well, to be proud of necessarily. the wall one? Well, again, these are all accusations. A woman uh, accused him of, I think, in a, she was working at a store and she accused him of pushing him up against the wall and trying to kiss her. Um, yeah, I don't know where that lies on the spectrum of, you know, legality and or, I mean, what do you think of that, Perry? I mean, if you if you thought you were getting any kind of signal from a woman, assuming that's that's what happened, you know, do you see that as a, as, as a major transgression or not? 
being pushed up against a wall against my. Well, I mean, pushed transgression. Uh, Pardon. Being pushed up against a wall against my will, I would consider. Well, no, but that's the point. Is it against the will, or was it a mis a, a, a potential misunderstanding, or well, I don't know interpretation <laughs> of signals. Anyway, uh, the, the real, the real, the real, um, the most serious of the charges was a charge of rape. Uh, that one woman had said that he had outright raped her, you know. And uh, anyway, th that's the most serious charge by far of the four. Brian has categorically, unequivocally, and vigorously right. to give him his due and to, and, and to, and to uh, hear both sides denied all four accusations. So, Dove, you're a good friend of Brian's. I know you had wanted to say some things about this. Well, I, I, I'm trying to source through without addressing, you know, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that the, the time we're in, um, I think this at any time would have been really touchy and uh, trying to thread the needle of communicating about the person that, that I know without disparaging any of these women and their experience. So to get into, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's a guy who who's <clears throat> whose heart, so to speak. You know how you've met people, and there is something just kind of eternally uh, decent or not. There are people with whom you've experienced, if not outright maliciousness, then perhaps it wouldn't surprise you had you found out that. Um, they behaved in ways that that were malicious. Um, my experience of Brian is uh, there is kind of an eternal goodness uh, um, and a generosity, and um, it is wildly inconsistent with the accusations. Um, but you know, I, I you're talking about somebody that I know. For as long as I've known Dan, I think, and um, roughly, and um, I know his family, you know, and I just know the guy's heart. You know, Brian and I were on the road years ago in some, somewhere in Cali, and um, Gerard Carmichael was opening for us. If you guys in the, out in the comedy world, Gerard had, I think he had a show. Dan, did he, he had a show, right? Yeah, I think so. I think he might still have one, you know. Nowadays, there's so many channels. Yeah, I don't follow, <laughs> yeah. But he had like an NBC, he had, a, he had an HBO special, you know. I think maybe even Chris Rock produced it or somebody. I, I, I don't know. But um, he didn't have money. He didn't have any money. And he had just moved out from North Carolina or somewhere. And Brian and I found out he didn't have a car. And, uh, after our weekend was over, we liked Gerard so much that Brian said, you know, we should buy him a car. And, um, you know, we put together, I don't know, 1500 bucks a piece, something like that, maybe 2000 a piece. And, um, and, uh, Brian had his guy or somebody, we, we bought him a car. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, that doesn't mean that, somebody didn't feel as though there were transgressions that took place. But it does mean to me that um, I know that person in, in, you know, I know that person and nobody that really, that reads an article. And then how can we, um, how do you communicate that in the context of these charges? And, um, who among us, if the scope were 21 years and there were a, a, a you, uh, you know, metaphorically a camera on us all, all 21 of those years, and I wanted to pull out a snippet, I'm not talking about the rape part, but all of the other sort of context and, you, you know, the, I don't know. It's some scrutiny to survive. I mean, w without disparaging anybody's account of their experience. Well, uh, sorry, you know, I don't want to interrupt. No, no, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I don't know what I'm saying. Please just jump in. Well, I, what you're saying is that it's the, the Brian, you know, is not the Brian that was ascribed in these accusations. And 
But also I found there's something about Brian that's above and beyond, you know, the average person I make contact with, which is that there is an, an, an extreme generosity and sort of almost, a, you know, a, a, a goodwill that sets itself apart from other people's goodwill in my experience. And, and yeah. Uh, okay. So I'm going to say this. First of all, I'm going to start by saying I don't know Brian. I've never yeah. met him. I, yeah. I'm speaking, um, let's say, objectively. Yeah. Um, so I think it's probably really difficult to... I mean, these things are not mutually exclusive. You can be an extraordinarily yeah, right. generous person and... Mm-hmm. Um, a wonderful father or, you know, I don't know what, and also have committed rape. I mean, John Wayne Gacy had 17 bodies um, under the floor space in his building. And he, you know, used to play a clown in church and everybody thought he was wonderful. Um, You know, I I don't know. It's, I, I imagine that being close friends with somebody and hearing these kinds of things is very, I mean, shocking, difficult to sort of, I I don't know, figure out. Um, I would also say that as a woman, I find it really hard to believe, and I, I don't know any of these charges that like suddenly like things start piling up. Um, if you've never done anything like that. But my question is, is that the case? I agree. Often, I don't know. Well, I'm just saying, I, I, what I meant to say was, I agree with your assessment that where there's smoke, there's often fire. I would just um, question the degree of smoke. This all began coming out of the social media woodwork when Chris D'Elia's um, accusers all came down. And um, then there was all of this scrutiny, you know, placed on Brian because they were linked and um, that scrutiny over the course of 21 years turned up four people, three of whom Dan described as, you know, potentially sort of wacky, um, a, a contextual misread. And, you know, you know, one of them was actually in a relationship with him. Dan, do you re- I don't even remember the transgressions, the other three. I do remember somebody's accusing him of, of of rape, which is an entirely different level. Um, but that's, that was the one sort of nail in the coffin, so to speak, among the four. I, I didn't experience the other four as, um, um, you know, I, I don't know their level of credibility. But I know that if somebody's been with a lot of people over the course of 21 years, um, it'd be hard to imagine that, that there isn't somebody out there that um, felt as though, they had been misread, um, rape notwithstanding. I'm not talking about that. What happened to Dan? But you can't, he, he didn't want to have anything to do with this conversation. <laughs> um, you can't say rape notwithstanding. No, I agree. I, I, I agree. And that's why I, I sort of hesitate to even attempt to discuss all of the nuance and the difference between the person. I mean, imagine if you found out that Dan had these charges, but, but you had known him. I mean, no, I'm like I said, I'm sure it's shocking and it's impossible to reconcile somebody who you love. I mean, there are people who live with serial killers for 20 years who have families. Um, yeah. And again, I don't know any of these people. I'm speaking, you know, from there's Dan. Um, so Dove said, imagine if I had found out that, you know, Dan had something hard, had done something horrible. And I said, it was all that, by the way, because I, I mean, I don't know what happened. There. Well, I'm filling you in. And I said, well, there are people who live with serial killers and have families with them and children with them. I mean, and so I would be shocked if I found out that Dan had, you know, raped somebody. I would be less shocked if I found out he was a serial killer. <laughs> interesting. Uh, that's interesting why would that be you don't feel I'm physically strong enough to, to rape I, I don't know I, I... <laughs> um, listen 
people people do horrible things. Um, well, I mean, I why, why Perio? I don't know what else to say? I had a very very close friend in high school, a guy, and I hadn't seen him in a long time, and I was less friendly with his girlfriend, but he was really like one of my best guy friends in high school, and I was a real tomboy too, and. His years later, his girlfriend told me that he had hit her. I mean, that really, like, you know, physically abused her. I don't know what. I didn't get the details. And I saw him years later, and he said to me, you know, he was furious with me because I believed her, really. I mean, I did believe her. And he goes, you know, I can't believe. And, and, and as I understood it, like, actually, it was true. He had hit her. And he had been violent with her. Um, and he said, I can't believe um, you think that I could do something like that. And I was like, well, you know, I mean, people do terrible things all the time. So. Well, that's, that's true. But <clears throat> is there not, um, I mean, the nature of, you know, due process has been brought up in, in the context of every, you know, me too scenario that I've read about what is our responsibility in, in terms of um, in terms of the presumption of somebody um, telling the truth I, I mean I granted it I mean your, your, your point is well taken which is of course you can be a nice guy and still kill people um, but what if you didn't kill the people you well, know? I'm having the conversation. And it's a very, very tricky. You know, the one thing I was sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. Go, go ahead. I said I just wanted to well, finish my sentence. All, any, any woman that or any person that's a victim has the right to tell their story. So the, yeah. the accusers, they know if they're telling the truth, and if they are telling the truth, they have every right to 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 to, to uh, make these accusations. Now, as far as what is our responsibility, you know. I mean, I think it's very tricky. Well, we so Aziz, uh, Dan, remember when Aziz Ansari, I, I, I just, I remember there's something in the paper about some woman feeling that he, feeling aggressed and or, um, uh, you know, put off in a really significant way when he asked for a blow. Do you remember the story, Dan? I, I forget. It was, it was, he was, he was at worst, there was miscommunication and, and he wasn't particularly. Right. But, but my, my point is the context him. with which he What's that? Paragraph? I thought she gave him a blue job and then like she regretted it afterwards or something. Right. Right. There was nothing. There was nothing forced. There was nothing. I right. mean, I could tell you how many stories. <laughs> Well, but my point is, like, you know, the one instance where the girl said, Brian, you know, asked for a blowjob in exchange for state. Like, I don't know what context in which that was communicated or how drunk the girl was. And I'm not calling her a liar. I'm just saying it is so impossible over the course of 20 years for us to look back and go, yeah, that definitely happened just like she said it did. I mean, it would be absurd to isolate that context. Um Unless there were a number of other, when you hear Weinstein and there's that much smoke, smoke and that much fire, uh, and so many credible sources coming forward, um, you know, it's it's tough. You know, you said you don't know how drunk she was. You don't know how drunk he might have been either. Well, you don't know if it's like, no, no, that's exactly right. We don't know, and we don't and, know if he was kidding, and we don't know if she had said. Well, is there any way that I could help to maybe do something for you? And you, uh, you yeah, know, no, and but you, you know what? We, <laughs> no, because we live in a world in which, and you guys know this, um, you know, as women, you, you are in oftentimes and not always um, in situations that, you know, don't feel necessarily safe. Um, in ways in which I think guys oftentimes don't really understand. So, you know, I don't know. Right, we need to know for that particular accusation. I, I agree with Doug. We need to really know the precise context in order sure. to. There isn't a comedian that I have ever 
sort of experienced their, you know, sort of at the table loosely with their sense of humor that over the course of 20 years, you could not pull uh, an out of context statement from and make them look like a fucking animal. <clears throat> there isn't a single one that you could not accomplish that with. So wow. that's why I'm just saying we have to consider the number of sources and how much smoke relative to the amount of fire. Uh, you know, if there are three people, I'm not talking about somebody that's saying that rape took place. There are three people that said something was out of sorts over the course of 20 years and there wasn't an actual physical assault and there was an offer of a blowjob and not one other woman in the country has come forward. I'm just saying, I'm not saying she's necessarily lying. Uh, uh, but the likelihood that something may have been taken out of context over the course of two decades and then plugged into social media is incredibly likely. And also Brian has that kind of sense of humor that of depending course. on his relationship with this woman, if they were really good friends, he might have said, hey, why don't you help me out? You know, I, I, in a joking way, it's certainly all Hey, don't put that aside then. So then you want to just talk about the rape? Well, I think, as I said at the beginning, I think that's the one that's really relevant here. I don't think the others, uh, you know, are of great uh, importance, you know, comparatively anyway. And I think that's the one that's the most important one. And but if that is the case, and we're down, listen, one accusation of rape is one too many. But is that, to what, do, to what degree do we indict? How quickly do we do so? And then how ruinous are the consequences? I mean, what, you know, look, there's a, tr there's a ton of gray area here, obviously. But when, the, when, the, when social media becomes judge, jury, and executioner, isn't the whole nature of what the legal system has evolved, the nature of justice as it's defined by legal minds over the course of several hundred years, however that system evolved, um, are the two not at, at inherent odds with one another? Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. At the same time, we're all entitled to make our own judgments about how we want to interact with people. We all hear rumors about people. We all, you know, over the course of our lives, and we all can choose to continue being friends with the person or reject the person. Um, right. But, but is, it, is it okay that people sort of, you know, for somebody's, what they built over the course of 25 years, um, at what point do we rip that out from under them and prevent them from providing for their family? Um, what, how far does it go? And what line becomes the, the place of no return? Yeah, I know in the legal very, system. very difficult question. Obviously, when it comes to sending someone to jail, we need guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about... I would rather go to jail for six months, um, come out and still be able to resume my life in theory, if that were possible, than have everything I built for 20 years ripped out from money. If you're not a public figure, if you own an apartment building and you're accused of something, you still own the apartment building when you come out. If you're in the public eye and you're a performer, the very thing you're selling, the very relationships necessary in order to sort of, you know, make a living or create opportunity uh, can be removed from you without ever having been convicted of anything. Well, so, so I guess there's a very simple way to avoid that. I disagree. I mean, I think there have been lots of unfounded accusations that no one can avoid. You're right if you're talking about whether or not you're genuinely guilty. Then yeah, it can be. I mean, avoided. yes. But also, you know, one should, one who is in the public eye should proceed with caution in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I. It goes without saying that we shouldn't be raping people, right? It goes uh, without saying. No, I, I it certainly goes without saying. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's. Do you think? Do you it's think? Not true, it's terrible, you know. And if it's true, it's also terrible. I agree. So, I mean, I mean is there, Dan? Is there a person that you could think of? A celebrity, somebody in the public eye, on television, somebody on stage with a guitar. 
if you're in and out of nightclubs for 20 years, do you really think there's someone over the course of 20 years that didn't go in for a kiss um, uh, and wires got crossed and then, uh, and there was alcohol involved and maybe there was a woman on the other side of that or a man that felt there was a transgression that took place. Now I understand, I'm not, you know, I'm not making an excuse. That becomes not even about Brian. That is just about the social media sphere and looking at someone over the course, the scope of two decades in a nightclub environment. Would your favorite guitarist, songwriter, talk show host, actor, be able to stand up under that scrutiny? Uh, I highly doubt it. Well, you know, other than Ryan Hamilton, uh, (laughs) it would be a a small list, you know. And I think most of us have, during the course of this Me Too movement, have thought back over the course of the past couple of decades, well, is there anything that could be, you um, that, that might not look so hot if it were presented a certain way? Um, it's hard to, it's hard for me to imagine a guy, you know, that is living on and off the stage, so to speak. And if you are hooking up with people in nightclubs, granted, there's more liability associated with that. And you should be that much more careful, but that isn't the reality in environments where people are drinking and fucking and, you know. What kind of a culture are we living in? I mean, nobody would accuse me of that. I mean, there, you know, there were a couple of instances that things got a little bit no, I mean, yeah, maybe him. But um, no, I mean, th- this is not something that women get accused of. You know, I mean, I don't think I right. could think of anybody who would accuse me of, you know, trying to forcibly right. sexually assault them. And I've been around the block a few times. As well, we're not talking about sexual assault, which is another category. We're talking about, as Dove said, moving in for a kiss that might have been unwanted. Well, yeah. not, not just not just the physical confrontation, but really, you know, the offer that I think the blowjob comment or the way the girl that was with Aziz felt sort of uh, used or she felt there was some form of psychological transgression that took place. Okay, but um, that's something else, right? It, well, it, it's something other than rape. I was more thinking about a lot of the gray area that takes place in between men and women and how many people would be able to stand up. If a woman, I guess women tend to be in uh, less promiscuous in general. Obviously there are many exceptions. Um, and men would probably, you know, be because of the lack of the power differential between men and women obviously favors the man. So I've had my ass grabbed by audience members, by female audience members. Now, had we been drinking and I turned around and said to a paper, if there weren't the power differential, if there were rather, I could ease, I've been transgressed, absolutely, 100%. If I were a woman, I could say that I had been touched inappropriately, no doubt about it, um, intoxicated women sort of pressing off, doing something awkward. Yeah, 100%. And so... I, I don't come if I, I would feel humiliated to complain about that. So why? Why why would you feel humiliated? Because it doesn't feel like it hurts. It doesn't hurt me. It doesn't impact me. There's no reason to make a big deal out of out of something where I where there was the transgression and then there's whether or not it really sort of lived in me, which is what the crime is, right? It's like yeah. if there's a crime that takes place, it's because because I was impacted in a way that prevented me from feeling safe, that prevented me from looking at men or women in this case, the same way. I didn't feel that level. But if we want to remove context and talk about transgression, absolutely. I, I, I've been, I've been on the other side of. of Dan, have you I ever guess. had your ass grabbed? I don't know what that uh, I think so. Means. I think so. Oh. In, a, in a playful, loving way. Uh, yeah, w- women, you know, are not judged by the same standard because it doesn't right. hurt us. It's, you know, um, and that has to be taken into account. It's for the same reason whenever we read about these high school teachers, molest- the female teachers molesting a student or having sex with a student, we're not quite as outraged as a society as we are when it's a man doing it to a woman because we have a sense that that the man is not as uh, traumatized by it. As, uh, or the, 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 that a boy would not be as traumatic. I don't know if that's the case or not when you're talking about a uh, young boy, but that's the... I mean, it's absolutely not the case when you're talking about a young boy. 
Well, I'm not sure that it is or it isn't. I, I, a high school, you know, teenager and, a, and an attractive teacher, and sometimes they are quite attractive, these teachers that are accused of it. I, I don't know how traumatized the kid is. You know, maybe he is. I, I'm not going to rule it out. But their brains aren't even developed enough. I mean, for a 15-year-old boy to, you know, be having sex with a 30-year-old teacher, I mean, whether or not he thinks it's fucking him up in the moment is sort of irrelevant. No? I think it's relevant. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, like you're right if there were any sort of indication that lasting damage is actually done. But I haven't heard many of these men that fuck teacher 15 come out and say, now I can't move I mean, on. Dove was, Dove was 12 years old. Yeah, guy, he almost was raped. Yes, raped. No, by, I but Well, you were underage. That's rape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Technically, you know, she, and yeah. he had sex with a uh, an adult prostitute. How yeah. old was she? She was in her 30s. And and you were 12? I was going on 13. I remember, like, I think I was headed into eighth grade or high school, but we were in Mexico. And so I got in a taxi and um, he brought me to it. I don't, it's probably not illegal in Mexico, Dan. So, so it, technically it wasn't. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, no, I had, that's how I lost my virginity. And so. Um, that is so, insane. Well, I. It's not, I, look, it's not what I would want from my kid, but my experience of it, I don't feel like a victim, nor do I feel as though um, it manifests itself in some really um, pathological way later in my life. No, I mean, that's... I mean, <laughs> you may not want that. You may not I can't that. prove that it didn't. I, I, yeah, you're right. I can't prove that it didn't, I mean, that but I'm not aware of it. When I hear women talk about a serious transgression, um, and you obviously would know more than I would, but I've heard real, you know, sort of pathologies were created later on or damaging their ability to maintain quality connections with people because of a profound lack of trust. But I'm, what I'm saying is I feel- Ringing familiar? <laughs> you know, I guess it does a little bit, but I just can't correlate it with that incident. I mean, a 12-year-old boy is a baby. This particular baby went into a whorehouse in Tijuana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, was, and was, you know, with a stack of bills and yeah. uh, an ambition. Yeah. I mean, listen, we're laughing about it, but if I found out that one of our friends... 12-year-old sons had sex with a 30-year-old prostitute. Yeah. And, you know, I have nothing against prostitutes. I mean, I would lose my fucking mind. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, I, I wouldn't advise it. I, I was just questioning how, you know, how damaging it would be for somebody of the opposite sex. And so it's very hard for me to put my... to 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 position myself in such a way that I would see a man with a young girl in the same way that I would see an older woman with a young man. I, I just can't get a there. A 30 year old man having sex with a 12 year old girl. Well, you'd want to, you'd want to hang him. You, you don't even, you go, you pop, bypass prison and you put a bullet in his head. <laughs> and so why not the same thing the other way around? Well, I don't have a good reason <laughs> because it's fun. You understand? I mean, I I was ready to roll, uh, you know, at thirteen, and I, I wielded a piece. I wielded a decent piece at thirteen. At thirteen, you were already developed physically, I gather, and, and I had a I had enough development to lay down a saw buck at the old bar and ask for a tequila. I had enough development there. What I'm getting at, without putting too fine a point on it, is you were able to, uh, you know, um, blow a load, I guess. Is, is there any more elegant way? <laughs> I don't you cut out for a minute. Yes, yeah, there is, but go ahead. It probably is. Probably is. Ejaculate, I guess, would be a more elegant way. To throw. Well, I, was not, I was not until 17 years old. I Nothing came out but, but uh, you know, but... But air. I mean, it was just, you know, <laughs> until the age of 17, it was very, very late. How as old are you? As a 12-year-old boy, I, to me, a penis was nothing more than something I used to aim the pee. <laughs> and had little use other than that. 
Yeah. How old are boys when they start masturbating? Well, I was I was around, you know, I I uh, I tore into a prostitute probably not far and not long after I began masturbating. That's what gave me the idea to go to a whorehouse. And how did you even get there? Who were you in? Were you just oh, like traveling was, around? No, no. My father, my father was my father was dating some woman, and we went to some inexpensive place in Mexico. And I and you know, back then in Mexico, you could get into a taxi. And I said, "Bring me to the place with the girl." You know, and I had a little bit of money, and you know, it's right outside the hotel. How much money could you have possibly had? Oh, you can get. I mean, it was a maybe a twenty dollar bill, you know, and and then another few bucks for a taxi. I mean, you know, parts of Mexico, you, you could have walked a few blocks and run into Oras. I mean, it's, um, right. it's, it's sad that, and I feel, I feel for the prostitute, what an awful position to be in. To, to, or to say no. She was probably happy to see you because she, you got to figure, you know, if the guys had come in there, here's a guy that's a 12 year old boy, probably will not, uh, you know, beat me probably is disease-free and adorable to boot. And yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I remember her being being really sweet and sort of guiding me in. You know, not unlike not unlike uh, you know, if you if if you're taking lessons in a Cessna P one two eight and you know the pilot's sitting next to you and you don't want to take the controls all on your own, of course, because you haven't landed one yet. But anyway, yeah, she really, What's that? Did you look older than 12, 13, or 13? Uh, not so much so that I didn't look really young, you know. Like, I maybe, you know, I probably seemed older than the average 13-year-old who wouldn't go into a whorehouse and order a tequila. <laughs> I mean, if there's something presumptuous about that type of child, but. And what was I, mean, your- I literally at twelve? I don't think I knew what sex was, to be honest. I mean, I'm, we're going back some some years, but I don't think I at knew. My tenth birthday party outside, I watched. I watched my neighbor fuck a Magnus uh, Broad in a, in a um, in a lawn chair, and that was my tenth. And I still remember because I had a cake. I had them. I had a cake. Well, I then I had a cake from Carvel, and my cake had tits on. <laughs> Wait, you know what? Let me rephrase it. Let me not rephrase, but let me correct. I did know what the sex act was because we had sex ed in fifth grade. However, I didn't know you were supposed to go back and forth. I thought you just put it in and you kind of wait there. (laughs) You know, yeah, that's what I thought the sex act was. You stuck it in and something happened. The vagina did all the work. I didn't know you had to go up and down or in and out or back and forth. Yeah. Um, just figure you lied there and, and, and it extracted yeah. it. I figured it, whatever was in there got extracted by the vagina. I, I, I'm yeah, not sure yeah. what I thought, but I was very, very uh, ignorant about uh, that. You of course, were nowadays, 12. You were 12. That's what you were. In, era, in the era before uh, YouTube and before Pornhub and all this stuff, yeah. you know, where you okay. can find out anything. And then what happened? You were 17 when you found out? I was 17 when I first, no, then at some, some years thereafter, I learned that sex, you had to, you know, go back and forth. But I'm saying I didn't have uh, orgasm until 17. Right. And then? And then, uh, then that was uh, some years uh, until I actually did have sex, as we've discussed. Yes. On this show, on previous episodes, we don't need to rehash Okay, and Dove, what was your second sexual encounter, which seems easy oh, as this girl from high from from high school? The, my my first non professional encounter was it was a <laughs> was a girl from high school. I was probably about fifteen. So you waited in three years. No, no, but not by choice. And I think I was more like thirteen when I was with the prostitute, like thirteen going on fourteen because. I was either eighth grade or going into high school. So I was 14 as a freshman. So anyway, you know, 13. It was well, 14, definitely 15, 13. The big difference between 12, 13. The difference? She's saying that 14 is a big difference from 12 if you were actually 14 with the product. No, no. When I, when I say I was 12 or 13, I, 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 I couldn't remember whether or not I was headed into eighth grade. So I'm born September 22nd. So uh, when I, my first day of school, I was, as a freshman was 14. So it was definitely before that. So I, I was definitely no older than 13. I just didn't remember if it was eighth grade or, or going into ninth grade. Anyway. Um, yes. 
So I was about 13. You must have felt like a real baller going into uh, eighth grade. No, 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 not at all. I felt very insecure headed into, but, you know, I had a very damaging childhood. I mean, not, I don't know how damaging. <laughs> but, no, no, but, but it's a chicken or the egg, Perry, because I don't know that the damage didn't, I don't know that the prostitute experience added, and added to any of the dysfunction or... I'll give you a hint here. It did. <laughs> Well, I'll give you another hint. No, it didn't. I, I, I think Perry, Al, Perry Al is insane if she thinks that uh, that that experience was traumatic for you. You might have yeah. already been somewhat damaged, which is what led you into that right, Tijuana right. brothel in the first place. I highly doubt a sexual experience yeah. at that age was damaging I at mean, all. I would... In the least. I watched another that you guys would think you could get anyone more qualified than myself with knowledge of psychology <laughs> that I would bet any amount of money that you're wrong. Yeah, no, I wouldn't argue that. I also watched, I had an RV behind my house. We brought it over from the junkyard. I think it was, you know, used for scrap metal after that. But I made somebody watch, when I was 12 years old, they said they wanted to use it to bang my neighbor. And I said, I get to watch. And uh, we made a deal. So I, <laughs> and then, yeah, at my 10th birthday party, I remember the guy banged my neighbor. I, there were, it, it was, yeah, they, no, it was, it was not too fast, you know? Yes, too fast. And your brain isn't developed. Okay. Anyway, that we, you know, we don't need to beat a dead horse, but. Um... No, we don't need to beat a dead horse. So, I don't so know. Uh, These are... Perio, what, what, what about, so what is an appropriate punishment, do you think, for somebody that, that is guilty of, of the kind of crime that, you know, Brian was accused of, the worst of it, uh, if, if he is contrite and, um, you know, if he's uh, I mean, I'm not, if, I mean, if he raped someone? Yes. Uh, I mean, I'm not particularly, like, I don't know how much I care if somebody's contrite if they've raped somebody. I, you know, I don't know. What does the law say? You know, I, I don't... I don't. I don't know what the law says. I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I think that if you rape somebody, then you should go I, and you go on trial and, you know, if you're found guilty of rape, you're found think, guilty of rape. But you're making a good point. And the progression in your point is that if you're guilty and then the second progression was then you go to trial or rather, I'm sorry, the trial determines the guilt, but that's not what takes place now with with social media. And so there is no trial and there is no burden of proof. And so, you know, that's the part, you know, that is very dangerous. Yeah, it is dangerous. Um, you know, again, I, I, I don't know any of the players in any of this. You know, part of the conversation to me is about, you know, trying to figure out what you do when someone you care about or know deeply and yeah. respect or admire, yeah. you know, does something that sort of rocks you to your core that you could never imagine them doing. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know if he's married. You said he has a family. Like, I, I oh, don't they're, know. Yeah, they're, they're in the middle of a divorce thing or, you know, that, that all of that's going on too. But but certainly as a family. Nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, I certainly, I mean, obviously, like fully support women coming forward and yeah. telling yeah. their stories. And I think that, um, you know, apparently he's a, successful actor in the public eye I don't know whatever it's yeah. it, it's hard to do that you know and so I think it's important that women do that so that in some way I do believe that when we oh I don't disagree with that well I know you don't I don't think that for one second of course you don't yeah. I know that I'm saying that I think that Part of what's gone on, you know, since the beginning of time is that men get away with this because nobody speaks up because there are real ramifications. Um, I mean, I think that's one of the things, right. and Brian said this himself um, in a little snippet that I watched 
saying that like now that we've had the Me Too movement, um, you know, you can't just do that shit anymore. Right. Um, I agree. And that's that's a positive externality of that, right? I mean, that's a positive, you know, yes. result. But the, um, but that, the degree to which that's positive um, still leaves this other variable. Yeah. And the other variable is, is convicted without a kind of due process. Um, and then the degrees of guilt, you know, when, when, when all of that came out about Louis, I heard Sarah Silverman get on, I think Howard Stern and say, long before Louis became famous, he asked me and my sister to jerk off in front of us. So there was no sort of power differential at the time physically, but she didn't communicate that there was any fear at all and that they were friends. And he was, and they said, okay, (laughs) they said, okay, we'll watch. And um, she said later on, perhaps, you know, the, one of the variables you can make Louis look like an animal or you can go, Oh, this was kind of his thing. And he was not, intentionally using some showbiz leverage to pull his cock out, humiliate people because that wasn't Sarah's experience of it at all. And without her communicating that context, we can either paint him into a corner like an absolute lunatic and an abuser, or we can say, you know, maybe the wires got crossed and his 20 years of really thoughtful, fascinating comedic exploration should not be invalidated. And that, that there is a lot of gray area here, which is, I think, what the com- comedy community did with Louis. I think he has been sort of re-embraced. And that is a very careful sort of contextual evaluation that went on. And without Sarah saying those things, and without other women coming out, um, where would Louis be? Would would, would 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 he be on the continuum between Weinstein and Aziz on the other end? Where would he be? Would he be closer to Weinstein? How how badly do we want to indict a man and remove his ability to make a living? I'm not talking about you know, um, yeah. I, I just feel like there is this real gray zone here. Yes, I also think. Okay, so here's the thing. The thing, the problem is, or one of the problems is, when you talk about guys raping people or sexually assaulting people, and I'm not even using anybody that you're necessarily talking about right now, but in general, the first thing that people say is, oh, but it was this, but it was that, or he was sorry, or it was a long time ago, or they were drunk, or he didn't need it. And it's like, you know what? Or or where does redemption come? And it's like, you know what? All of those things are fine. Um, That's not where we start, right? We we start with, um, first of all, like, if this happened. And and then you can get to the redemption and all this other shit. So I think that, um, yeah, we we don't want to be convicting and trying people and ruining people's lives on social media um but we also don't want to start redeeming people before we even you know a rape accusation that's like really fucking serious yeah so it's like i just want to know what happened and then the thing you know we'll never you you can never really know i mean all uh it's or yeah you you know that's the tricky part about rape as a crime is it's so tough to uh there's two people were there and you know um it's it's very hard to uh to really really I mean, know. is there are there people are, are there men who have sort of been on and off stage and and granted they have to suffer some of the liability like the kinds of men that go with a lot of different women do you think that there are men out there that are on and off you know stage nightclubby guitar you know musicians stand-up actory in Hollywood people that have not over the course of a couple of decades been, I'm not talking about rape, I'm just talking about in general, people that lead those lives intoxicated, late nights do you think any one of those people could really stand up to 20 years worth of kind of social media level scrutiny with how many guitarists in a band do you think don't have a girl going 
He tried to kiss me. I said no. He like how many of those experiences? Like sure. it's hard for me to imagine. For sure. Anybody being able to get through that gauntlet without somebody feeling transgressed. Um, for sure. And, and there are people that need to be in prison, and so I, I, I'm, I think I'm. Part. I think I could withstand it, but uh, but Nikki Glaser once complained that I was staring at her creepy. And, well, and she was there's right. no doubt about that. Other girls have felt that you know they were stared at, or um, um, yeah. But by the way, the word creepy in the wrong context. If Nikki wanted to pitch that in a way where she felt transgressed and or violated. And we removed the context of the nightclub and two comedians. Um, I don't know that she couldn't, you know, paint somebody into a corner. Well, that's a difficult charge to make that somebody was looking at them funny. You know, that would be hard to uh, make that stick. But um... no, no, not funny. No, no. I felt threatened by the way that person was looking at me. I'm not talking about funny. I'm talking about I can... As a woman, I could absolutely feel that I was being threatened by the way that person was looking at me. I felt creeped out. They were staring at me. You know, the degree to which that's communicated and how it's communicated could certainly create a misdemeanor level, you know, offense for you. Well, there you go. I'm not saying it's a thought. You thought that you were all in the clear and now this. Yeah, like I'm not saying it's, it's ruinous for a career necessarily, but if a number of women came out and said, I felt creeped out, I felt this, um, I don't know that that couldn't do some theoretical damage. Dan, Dan's now going through um, all of the women he stared at. Uh-huh. Well, I've, I've done some staring over the years, but uh, you know, I didn't think it was uh, rose to the level of a Me Too offense. But in any no, no, case- but I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it does. My, what I'm saying is, I... It would not surprise me if you had gone in for a kiss over the years and the girl wasn't necessarily um, uh, ready for it or you misread the cue and she wants to go, listen, I was in the corner. Dan tried to do this. Like, depending I on never, I never made lip contact with an unwilling woman because but I, I respond no, no, very that's what, that's what you said. No, that's what you but, said. That isn't necessarily over the course of 20 years if you're um, – being looked at on social media, what they would say. That's just what you would say. Well, perhaps. Um, in any case, um, anything else do we want to uh, stay on this? I just thought like the nature of a transgression, and I'm not talking about uh, the, the, the sort of, I'm talking, not talking about the level of rape. I mean, the idea that wires got crossed and, and somebody, and I'm not trying to exonerate anybody for behaving inappropriately. I'm talking about people that, you know, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, if, if it happened with Aziz and it happened with, and it, over the course of 20 years, if you have been with a lot of people, men or women, um, it's hard to imagine somebody along those lines not going, yeah, I didn't like the way he did X. Yeah, that's for sure, I'm sure, true, especially um, in the line of work you're describing. But also, um, probably in every line of work, in every industry. Yeah, no, I agree. I just thought that much more in an environment where people are drinking late into the night, as opposed to a firm on Wall Street. I'm sure it's happening there as well. It's just, I thought it was a better analogy in a nightclub kind of environment. Although you'd be surprised at the stories that I've heard about people yeah. pulling their dicks out in the middle of conference um, halls. Every time there is some, you know, these, these office Christmas parties are famous <laughs> for, for, for transgression. But, you know, I don't want to minimize any real offense. I just, want, I just want to, I want to mitigate hypocrisy. And when men go, I never... <laughs> Let me put a camera on you for 20 years, motherfucker, and see whether or not there's been a girl somewhere along the way over 21 years that didn't feel like you were picking up cues right. Uh, I, I, I be very careful. Uh, it, it, for those of you who, uh, you know, who believe you can walk on water, I doubt it. 
speaking of walking on water, um, have either one of you been doing any shows? Well, um, not sure what that has to do with walking on water. I, I was in Central Park. <laughs> I was in Central Park doing Stand Up New York has a series, uh, Stand Up New York in the Park, where they're doing shows in uh, Central Park and in Battery Park and a few other parks. And uh, I'll just say that, you know, normally as a comic, I have to worry about hecklers, uh, not frisbees. But in <laughs> I did a show in, in by an oak tree in Sheep Meadow yeah. with no microphone because apparently you need a um, permit. permit to have a microphone. I didn't know this. but So we just basically stood there in front of an oak tree on Sheep Meadow, Big Oak, um, yeah. near the uh, west side of Sheep Meadow, and just did a show for people, like, seated on the grass, like campfire style, uh, around, uh, you know, in a semicircle. And it wasn't bad, actually. You know, people were happy to be there. Um, yeah. How do you do uh, it with a mic? Pardon? How does that work without a mic, though? Can everybody hear well, it? If everybody sits really close and you project, then it can be done. It's not. I ideal. thought the whole point is not everybody's supposed to sit really close. Well, we can't. No, we kept it six plus feet apart, maybe 10 feet apart at least. They sat so, really close, 10 feet apart? Well, that's fairly close. <laughs> I guess. Okay. In, in any case, they seem to hear, you know, maybe oh, the, the oak tree guided the the sound in a, in a good way, but I don't and know. Then, but. then when we were in the park on on Tuesday, that rabbi was, uh, he had a he mic. Had a mic. He had a mic. I don't know if he had a, it was a rabbi. We were in the park. A rabbi was giving some sort of religious lecture. Well, I assume it was a religious lecture because he was a rabbi. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, it wasn't just talking about uh, how to pick yes. up girls. Yeah, yeah. He happened no. to be an Orthodox Jew, but he was a, yeah. he was a guy with a, a yarmulke and, uh, yeah. and a microphone in Central yeah. Park giving some sort of a lecture. Yeah, it would surprise me if he were just yelling about different delis and, and, and arguing with himself about what the best pastrami. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a lecture, religious. Yeah. Well, I assume it was religious in nature, and he had a mic, and I don't know if he had a permit or if he just uh, did it anyway. I'm not sure, but, yeah. but I'm told you need a permit to have a microphone in the park. That's such fucking bullshit. Who cares? Why do you need a permit to have a fucking microphone in the park? Who gives a shit? Because people... People in the park are trying not. to enjoy themselves. They don't want to be harangued by a comedy yeah. show. Yeah. Harangued? <laughs> not everybody wants to see a comedy show. And even if you enjoy comedy, maybe you prefer... Maybe you don't like the, the, the pithy one-liners, say, of a, of a Todd Barry. You know? Um, actually, he doesn't really do one-liners, but, uh, you know. We should have Todd back on because we got, because Noam came on last time and, it, it, you know, it sort of, we never got to really talk to Todd about Todd. Well, but Todd doesn't like to talk about Todd. Well, but perhaps to some degree. I mean, I think we got off into an area that Todd wasn't prepared to go to, which was cultural and political. We can have Todd back on. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Um, really good, Dan. Hey, everybody. It's a basic, uh, it's a 101 uh, imitation. It's, it's a 101 star. I, yeah, it's a 101. It's not even a good imitation of somebody that's easy to imitate, uh, which is what I do. That's my specialty. Poor imitations of people that are easy to imitate. You actually do good imitations, and okay. every time I tell you that, you sort of poo-poo poo poo it. I, I no. do. Again, he's not I do, good I, at taking compliments at all, though. He's not. Oh, he's the worst. He's the worst. He doesn't know how to take a compliment. Can't do it. And he and he's never been with a prostitute before the age of fourteen. <laughs> you can only imagine how how screwed up would Dan be if he if he had lost his virginity in Mexico at that thirteen years old. I think I was a lot more screwed up by not losing it uh, until my twenties. Yeah, I think that's a lot more traumatic to spend four years in college with no sex whatsoever, right, sitting right. in my dorm room on a Saturday night. Well, uh, outside. Outside watching SNL, you shouldn't be watching Saturday Night Live in college because you should be out partying. Yeah, I was watching it. SNL and I heard I could hear the girls outside whooping and hollering, "Woo, Theta!" And uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was upsetting. I'm not gonna yeah, lie, and far more traumatic than sex at 14 would have been with a 30 year old yeah. teacher or prostitute. Well, the grass is. I mean, you want to talk about you want to talk about traumatic? I went to a, a fraternity party. By myself because I had no one to go with, and some and I, I kept I had to keep walking because if I stopped I had no one to talk to, yeah. and I looked ridiculous just standing there. So I had to keep moving, you know. Aww. And then I bumped into this one girl that I knew from my dorm, and she said, "Dan, are you here alone?" And I said, "No, no, I'm with a friend of mine. He's um, 
I don't know. I lost it, you know, somewhere. I don't know. I don't know where it is. But, um, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, it's 8.03. You got to uh, leave them wanting more. <laughs> and I thought maybe it's not a good story. But but uh, I will say that uh, that to me was traumatic. And um, the thing that's frustrating is that had you gone outside, I'm sure um, there were probably plenty of girls you could have had sex with between the ages of 18 and 21. A, I'm not so sure. And B, I hadn't, I mean, I was so shy. Uh, they just, I couldn't talk to anybody, you know, and um, I, you know, um, yeah, it might've been, might've been the case. Might've been the case. I don't he's, know. He's, not, he's not, he's not doing that now either. Ariel, I, I mean, I, you know, I mean, every now and then, now and then something will fall on his lap, but uh, I, Dan is not going after it in a meaningful way. It's not what he I does. I don't go after it in a meaningful way, but it's, but I, but I know the option is there. So that makes yes. me less, it's less upsetting. Of course, well, it's, yes. It's the yes. lack of sex that was upsetting so much. It was the completely yes. being on the outside uh, yeah, looking in. Of course. In. Of course. No, that was uh, that was upsetting to me. But now you're on the inside looking out. I don't know that I'm on the inside. I, I'm more on the inside than I used to be. Right. But uh, you know, um, there are lepers more in, on the inside than you used to be. <laughs> yeah, I was as outside as you're going to get, you know. But uh, anyhow, um, we've done our hour, and you know, we always like to keep it tight on the yep. shows. So why don't we bid adieu until next time, everybody? Yes. Uh, you can write us at Comedy Cellar. Uh, Podcast at ComedyCellar.com for comments, suggestions, um, and uh, Perio, you can give the uh, the Instagram handle. We are at um, at Live from the Table. At Live from the Table. See you next time, everybody. Bye-bye.